Is your family a success? Is there even a measure for family success? We think there is, and with a 20-year track record of success, we're going to show you how to bless your family with success in your health, relationships, and finances. I'm Steve Keen. And I'm Katie Keen. And along with some awesome guests, we are going to give you our secrets to family success. Welcome to Family Success Secrets. Welcome, everybody. Today, we have Drew Vernon with us. We are very excited to introduce him to you. He is the marketing director for a really cool company called Tony's, where he leads Tony's for Teachers, and he partners with schools to promote screen-free education for children. His work contributed to Tony's being named as one of the Fast Company's 2021 most innovative companies in the education category. Prior to this, he led the U.S. preschool business for Lego. Here, he created Prescription for Play. He built a network of 2,500 pediatricians who promoted daily play between parents and children. He's an entrepreneur, and he started Connecticut's first state-licensed drop-in daycare center. He also has two podcasts, Tony Time, as well as Childhood, where he co-hosts with his six-year-old daughter. And I highly recommend you check it out. I We checked out the podcast, <laughs> Drew, with you and your daughter, and it was so cute. You guys just are, she is charming. So uh, hopefully everybody else will check that out too. I love it. Yeah. Thanks for coming on here today. Yeah. It's great to, to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. All right. So to get started, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got started in, I guess, let's start with marketing. Yeah. So I, I usually tell people I've been interested in marketing for a really long time. Uh, I went to school for business management and wanted to get a job in marketing. That was a little trickier than I expected coming out of my bachelor's program. So I started out my career as a stockbroker. i uh, quickly figured out I didn't want to go that route. So I went back to business school to get my foot in the door into marketing. And uh, so I went to the University of Wisconsin for my MBA. And I came out of that uh, going to Procter & Gamble in Cincinnati, Ohio. So I started in beauty. I was working on uh, some big brands like CoverGirl, Olay. I ended up taking a different job for Jergens. I launched a couple of products for Jergens Body Lotion. And somewhere between Procter & Gamble and Jergens, I, I just wasn't really having a, a ton of fun. Uh, I was learning a lot about marketing, but you know, I didn't want to spend my entire career selling you know, $5 bottles of lotion or $7 tubes of mascara. So uh, for my next move, I had the opportunity to go over to Lego uh, to manage the preschool business. And that's where I really kind of found my inner child for a second time and, and really fell in love with play and with uh, early childhood development. So uh, I spent a few years at Lego. And then uh, about two years ago, I came over to Tony's, um, which I just absolutely love. And I'm having a lot of fun. We can get more into that. But that's kind of my career journey from beauty into into toys and education. I see. And and so at the time when you made the transition from the uh, cosmetics marketing into Lego and what you were doing there, uh, were you married with with kids at that time or were you still a single guy? <laughs> I got married pretty young. I would think I was 24, 25. So mm-hmm. uh, I had uh, our first child uh, right before moving to grad school. And then I think by the time I, I went to Lego, I, I had, had our, our third child. So my youngest, the six-year-old is, is uh, well, I've got three kids, uh, 12, nine, and six. I see. So they were probably pretty excited that you were going to head over to the Lego company. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, they uh, were thoroughly spoiled uh, in every regard, just, you know, more bricks than you could imagine. And uh, now at Tony's too, they, they just love, you know, the fact that I'm kind of like the fun dad. Mm-hmm. I see. Okay, that's cool. Uh, tell us a little bit uh, about what you did while you were at Lego that involved the, uh, the medical community and some of the things that you were doing there. Yeah, so when I was at Lego, I was just doing kind of regular marketing, uh, you know, TV commercials, print, uh, digital ads, things like that. And I thought, you know, how can we reach parents of kids uh, right when they're old enough to have like a Duplo set? And so Duplo is the bigger brick system. Most people are familiar with like the Lego system of play that starts when kids are about four. Uh, When they're younger, they have the bigger bricks called Duplo. And so starting about 18 uh, months, uh, they can start to use these bricks. And so I had the idea, why not uh, try to partner with pediatricians to get in front of parents of 18-month-old children uh, as part of a wellness visit? So I created a program called Prescription for Play, in which we created a little prescription card that said, hey, parents, play with your kids for at least 15 minutes a day. And uh, I matched it up with a little Duplo duck, a little product sample. And I went down to the pediatrician's convention and I thought, hey, if I'm lucky, I'll get 100, maybe 200 doctors, you know, signed up for this program, you know, and down at this convention, I was next to a bunch of different booths of medical devices and different software programs to manage, you know, pediatric offices. And here I was, you know, Lego, you know, something really fun and exciting. And for one reason or another, the doctors just swarmed to my booth. And I came home uh, from that convention with 2,500 doctors that wanted to be part of the program. So that was a little bit more than I expected. And I quickly ramped up and got some additional uh, things in place. And uh, I was able to reach, you know, half a million kids with their first uh, Lego play experience. And, And it was just Uh, It was kind of a watershed moment for me because up to that point, I had just kind of been a marketer and this uh, flipped a switch in my brain to say, hey, when you align on a win-win situation for all parties, you know, in this case, you know, the parents loved it, the doctors loved it, the kids loved it, and it was promoting play. It was promoting together, togetherness, and that's, I think, why it was so successful. And so that's the inspiration that um, brought me, you know, when I came to Tony's to pursue Tony's for teachers and continue that education angle of play. Mm-hmm. I see. So we, we should probably explain for the audience what Tony's are and what is going on within that program. What are you doing there? Sure. Uh, so Tony's is a company that started in Germany in 2016 by a couple of dads. They actually met on the board of a preschool. They saw that their children's teacher was using CD players to play different songs and stories in the classroom. They thought, hey, that's great, but CDs are 30 years old. They scratch, they break, and most importantly, young children can't operate them independently. They need a teacher or a parent to help operate them. So they created a, uh, what we call a Tony box, which is a five-inch squeezable uh, soft speaker cube uh, that uses figures to play different types of content. So you put a Tony figure on top of the box, it's magnetic, so it'll stick, and it has a little chip inside that will download uh, different musical or story-based content uh, onto the box. And so kids as young as two or three can take their hand, uh, with their tiny little hands, they can put a figure on the box and they can manage the entire playback 
experience. And uh, another great feature is that there is no screen. Um, so, and we can talk about, you know, why that's important, uh, but it's a screen-free device that's designed uh, for a young child to independently operate. So it works great in the homes and it also works great in classrooms as well. Uh, so it must be pretty fun for kids. It must be uh, rather indestructible as your young audience there might be prone to uh, launch it across the room or <laughs> stick it in their mouth or whatever and give it a bite. Uh, yeah, I've seen the torture test and, you know, it's a speaker that has a layer of foam and then a dur very durable fabric around the foam. So you can squeeze it. I tell people you could use it as, as a bowling ball if you wanted to. It, you know, it's a cube, so it doesn't roll very well, uh, but you can, you know, do your worst and it's pretty indestructible. Nice, nice. Well, let, let's indeed talk about uh, why it doesn't have a screen. I know there's a lengthy story there, so uh, just jump in at whatever point you feel like you need to jump in to tell us the proper story there for, for why that is and, and why that's something that you care so much about. Sure. Uh, yeah, so as I mentioned, it started in Germany in 2016. It was pretty much an immediate success. They ended up selling, you know, a couple million of these boxes, uh, expanded into the UK in 2018, and then I helped with the market launch in 2020. And uh, I'm not certain why they decided not to design it with a screen. You know, this was about four years before COVID. When I came on board for the US launch, it was basically uh, the month the first lockdown in early 2020. And so we, our world changed overnight where people were not going into the office anymore. They were working remotely. They were on Zoom for six, seven, eight hours a day. And uh, preschools uh, were disrupted. Childcare was disrupted. And so you had this kind of cultural shift when it comes to screens, you know, prior to that, and even still, a lot of the, the pediatric associations and things will recommend no screen time for kids under two and up to an hour a day for kids two to five. And, you know, myself as a dad, that's kind of what I held myself to. That's kind of generally what I think a lot of parents did. And when COVID came, that all went out the window. And just by sheer necessity, we were putting our kids in front of more screens. So Netflix shows, iPhones, iPads, video games, and we were doing it out of survival, I think. And we got into some bad habits, I think. And, you know, and I saw this in my own household as well. Um, but I think we're really starting to see the detrimental effects of too much screen time. Apart from the personal use, a lot of kids as young as two or three started using screens for school uh, for remote learning, hybrid learning, even as we come back to school, there's still a ton of programming and curriculum that has now been developed on a screen. So kids are on a screen for a large portion of their school day, which is crazy if you ask me. So whether it was the original intent or not, uh, we have this amazing device that by its design does not rely on a screen in order to make content available, stories and songs and, and really anything for kids. And it's just kind of a tool in the tool belt, I like to say, um, for a parent or a teacher to be able to give an educational experience without the screen. Mm -hmm. I think um, not having a screen these days for me and many of the moms I've spoken to actually is a relief. The parents are looking for things that are screen free. And um, something I know from my own childhood, which I'm old enough, I'm dating myself, but we had these little record players and I was able to put a little record into the record player. And I remember just laying there listening and my imagination could 
reconfigure all of what I thought the story looked like. And that's not available when it's on a screen. And for our own children, um, we've, we've used Audible quite a bit. You know, I'm not promoting that per se, but it's just a nice, easy tool within our homeschool for classics and other things. And our children really do love it because their imaginations also can run wild. So I really personally appreciate having something out there for the younger kids that is screen-free, they're in control of it, and their imagination can continue to work and build and grow, which is such an important part of their development at that age. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, uh, when I first started at Tony's, you know, and thought about why screens, and I don't want to come out and say that I never, you know, give my kids screens, like that, um, that's not my place to say screens are, are bad in every instance. But I do think that we should be cognizant of limiting screen time. And, and at first, I thought it was just because of, you know, the blue light. I don't know the technical terms, but I call it like zombie mode. Um, my kids, you know, stare at a screen. And the longer they do, you know, their behavior changes, and then like, heaven help you. Uh, turning off that last show because then you get the the fits and the tantrums and so I thought it was just about that but I the more I learn the more that I talk about this is is exactly your point Katie imagination is a creative muscle when you have a visual stimulus presented to you all of the time you don't exercise that muscle and so when you listen to a story versus watch it it puts the creative responsibility upon you as the listener. And those are the types of experiences that I'm trying to help give children. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Uh, So for us, those folks listening, that was a key takeaway here from this is that you're trying to uh, build upon your kids ability to use their imagination and creativity Mm -hmm. uh, where if you sit down in front of programming, all that is provided and, and, and there's no use of your, brain your imagination for that i remember years ago before we had kids or when our kids were super small i heard uh some discussion conversation on the radio and the fellow was was talking about how he he loved it when his kids told him that he was bored with that they were bored rather and he would say great Right. Because now you have to use your imagination to come up with something to do, to go out, play outside, do something inside or whatever. And so I thought I'm going to hold on to that. So now I use that every once in a while with my kids tell me that, you know, they're bored and they don't have the same thought about it that I do. Because if I say great, they, you know, they get frustrated and whatnot. So uh, it's really, I think, important to say or to have your kids do things that will help to Mm -hmm. grow their imagination and their abilities to think creatively. They'll need that later on down the road. And so I think that's massively important. Yeah. I like that. Uh, I think boredom, you know, as an adult, boredom is like a luxury. And so I think that teach that to kids like hey you're not always going to be bored because you're going to grow up and you're going to have plenty of things to do so like you might as well use this boredom to your own advantage to to learn and to grow we've also seen it play out in our kids um, because we were able to homeschool which i'm very thankful that we had the opportunity to do and what we have found is that many times when there is the opportunity for boredom, it leads to self-discovery so that the children end up figuring out more about themselves and what they like and what they love. And that can lead to things like some of our children deciding certain entrepreneurial paths that they would like to take or begin to write a book or one of ours to compose a song. You know, there's various things that they have taken and actually created and grown out of the opportunity to be bored and to get to know themselves better. (laughs) 
So I like that. Yeah, I think boredom really is just a starting point. It's a, literally a blank page of saying, you know, you can go do whatever you want right now. Yes. Absolutely. So I know that from speaking to you before, you love to tell people a bit about the storytelling process and that you're gifted in sharing how important that is and um, the hero's journey. And so I'm wondering if you'd be willing to chat with us a little more about that today. Yeah, absolutely. The whole world revolves around stories, you know, whether it's from a proper educational experience or just the lives that we lead, stories uh, help you, you know, color the world. They help you persuade, you know, people to your point of view. I think the better we can teach our kids to listen to stories and learn how to create their own stories, uh, the better equipped they will be as they grow up and become, you know, happy, you know, well-adjusted adults like we want them to be. Uh, I take a lot of value in the hero's journey, like you mentioned. Uh, it was a framework, I believe, set forth by a man named Joseph Campbell. Uh, and there are quite a few different kind of points of the hero's journey. I usually try to boil it down to a very simple formula for kids, which is three elements. You know, every good story has a hero who has to overcome an obstacle to get to a reward. And so that's kind of the framework that I use in teaching storytelling to kids. And I think it, it's great to take in those stories. Like I said, the more stories we can give our kids, the more reference points kids will have. Uh, so when it comes time to write their own story or to overcome their own challenge, uh, they can you know, use and draw upon the examples that they've heard and, and the stories that they've listened to. Yeah. Absolutely. I know um, for me as a learner growing up, I know that I really blossomed under teachers who were able to share the information or the lesson through a story. And I know that with our children, many times when we're trying to teach them character lessons, for example, it's really wonderful to be able to grab a classic novel, for example, and really show them the lesson versus trying to tell them the lesson. And so um, from a you know, educational standpoint, I feel like the storytelling process is really important, but I mean, we have kids who like to be authors yeah, we do. and that just allows people to just grow and grow for themselves as a person and develop. I don't know. There's just so much to it. And I, I actually was not taught the storytelling process properly as my, as a child. So it's really been fun to watch our kids develop that and mm -hmm. learn about it and um, see the value in it. Yeah, I think that's a great thing. I, you know, I see, I talk to a lot of teachers, uh, a lot of other parents and uh, just observe kids today. And it seems like a lot of kids for one reason or another are, they're very reactionary. They, they want to see someone else do something first. They want to know exactly what they should do. I, I think the, the power in storytelling is, is you become a creator. You uh, put forth, you know, an idea or a narrative that doesn't exist and it, it's very empowering because you can create something out of nothing and, and you can help persuade people, you can help entertain people. And so to teach that to kids is a, a valuable tool that they'll use, you know, whatever they decide to do when they're older. Mm -hmm. That's cool. So how might you uh, institute that in your own home? So I am a big proponent of giving kids a, a prompt. Uh, and I draw upon my Lego experience on this because when I was at Lego, you know, great brand, I, I love Lego, um, but I saw, you know, most of what we sold were, you know, 
sets of Lego bricks, pour them out of the box. There's a little instruction manual and it's got step one, step two, step three, and you follow hundred steps and you get a pirate ship or you get a spaceship or a castle or whatever. And, and that's one type of play, but it's very structured play that doesn't take a lot of creative thought. It takes some hand-eye coordination and motor skills and things like that. So that's most of what Lego sells. And, and then they have you know, a big bucket of yellow bricks as well. And that's kind of like their open-ended experience. You can dump it out and make whatever you want. And for most kids, they're going to put together a little tiny plane or a little tiny car, but you're not, you don't see a lot of kids that become like master builders. And I think that there's a really a gap in getting somebody from the unstructured open experience into the structured step-by-step instructions. And so as we relate that back to storytelling, instead of telling a kid to go write a story, you tell a kid to go write a story about a worm who came, who became friends with, you know, a rat and, you know, they had to overcome a challenge and, and you can make it up. But, you know, I, I asked my kids to do that one day. I said, Hey, go write a poem about worms. It's gotta be four verses and it's got to rhyme. And so they went off in the corner and they went for almost an hour uh, and they came back with a great story. And now they, you know, we ended up uh, recording it onto a creative Tony, which I should mention. We, we have these Tonys that, you know, you can record your own content uh, and upload it. And so they recorded onto one of our creative Tonys and now they've got it as a nice little keepsake. But uh, I think that's giving uh, constraints uh, through a creative prompt is how I really like to spark the storytelling process. I love that. That's really awesome. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. yeah you take that poem and frame it. Mm-hmm. And take their voice and save that forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and the they'll be able to enjoy that. Oh, that's cool. You know, I always I shared a similar sort of perspective. Like kid sees a particular scene in an action movie, you know, the Avengers or Star Wars or uh, Lord of the Rings or Ninjago. And then they see the corresponding set. Uh, that they can buy from Lego and they build it. And it's like, all right, now you've built it. Now what are you going to do with it? Right. Well, they're never going to tear that thing apart. I mean, they will tear that apart. That's going to happen, <laughs> but it always gets built back as close as to the original as they can, if they don't have the instructions anymore, but you never see them take those pieces and try and build something unique out of them. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was a kid, we'd go to my grandmother's house. She had a bucket of Legos there. Uh, and there was, 100, 200, whatever they were. They were three colors. They were all rectangles or uh, something like that. And good luck trying to build something with them, right? And, uh, and I look at the sets that the kids have today. I'm like, good gracious, that's the Death Star. Or, you know, from Star Wars. Or <laughs> some of those things got like 80,000 pieces to it. But then once you build it, it's like, eh, now what are you going to do with it, right? So I really love the idea of it being open-ended. Mm-hmm. Same with the storytelling. That's really cool. Uh, so that's really good. Uh, let's let's switch gears for just a second, and and we wanted to make sure we hit about the podcast mm-hmm. with, that with was your exactly daughter. What I was thinking uh, too, because I know that that was just delightful to listen to. So maybe yeah. give us a little bit of insight in, into your podcasting. Sure. Uh, this was really started uh, kind of in the middle of of the COVID lockdown. My daughter was five at the time, and her preschool shut down for over two months and I was working from home. And so I thought, Hey, let's start a podcast. I call it childhood. Uh, and so the, the goal of the podcast is really just to share our childhoods with each other. So she's sharing the childhood that she's currently experiencing. And then I'm kind of, uh, sharing, you know, stories and, and 
memories that I have of my childhood. And so the, the audience really is just me and her, you know, I, I put it up and I publish it for anybody to listen to, but really uh, the purpose of it is just to get to know her better and to give her opportunity to, to sing songs and tell stories. And I will tell you, uh, we've been doing this, you know, for 50 or 55 episodes now, and she's getting better. And she's like, she's a little ham because I'll say, Hey, Audrey, tell me a story. And just, she'll tell me a story or if I need to give her a creative prompt, I'll say, Hey, go get a couple of stuffed animals. And you know, what's this stuffed animals name? You know, what challenge is this stuffed animal facing? And then we'll just either have her tell me the story or we'll just like act it out in real time. Uh, and so uh, it's just been a little fun experience and I'm secretly hoping that, you know, if we continue this, then by the time she gets to, you know, middle school and high school, she's going to just be like a master storyteller. That's my secret hope. <laughs> Yes. There you go. Well, I imagine that if you continue to give her the platform, which is rather easy, yeah. and the encouragement and whatnot, and as long as it stays fun for her and, and interesting, that she will, she will indeed stick with it. And then uh, one day she'd be able to run with it herself. Yeah. What a keepsake too. Oh my goodness. For her to be able to go back and listen to that time that you've spent with her talking together. And I know even just to get to go back and listen to her own kid voice someday will be really special to her. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a special time together and it makes me feel a little bit guilty because I have two other kids that I need to find some sort of equal uh, quality time <laughs> to spend with, but uh, no, her, great. Have her interview her siblings on the podcast. Ah, okay. There's an idea. It. Yeah. It's a good idea. That would yeah, be I'll fun. take you up on that. That's a, that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll be listening because that is just the one most sweet, wonderful podcast. I think it is a great idea. And I think too, um, everything's been so kind of heavy in the world the last couple of years that it's very refreshing to hear just such a sweet thought. I mean, it's just, so, they're just such sweet episodes. So well, thank you. That, that means a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And so please tell her thank you as well, because I know she's put a lot of effort into it, which is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I will do. Thanks. There you go. She could interview mom too, right? So mm. you can bring in grandparents. <laughs> she can yes. take over. She can take over the interviewing process. So, you know, I bet there's probably lots of parents going, how in the world did he convince his child to do that? So how did you get her on board to do this? Oh gosh. I, I think uh, when we started, it was just about having tea parties. I think if, if I go back and listen to, and, and actually you know, this is the other thing is I didn't have like a firm idea of what the podcast was going to be. And I think that that's okay. You know, sometimes, you know, we get uh, held back by needing things to be perfect or, or needing things to be just right. And basically I just, I got my laptop and a microphone and I said, Hey, let's have a tea party and let's talk. And so it, it's not even until, you know, episode seven or eight, I think that we decided to call it childhood to make it about storytelling, to, you know, share childhood experiences with each other. But it was just, hey, let's let's sip some hot cocoa or let's sip some tea and uh, and chat through the day. And, you know, that that's kind of how it was born. That's really beautiful. I love that. Was this one in particular that you wanted to ask about? Um, no. Well, so we know that you were able to just do a really cool event with Tony's and LeVar Burton. So could we just touch on that a little bit? Because he wrote a book. And can you just fill us in? Because a lot of us from at least... Our age group, not his age group, my age group, really loved reading Rainbow. 
Yeah. So <laughs> are you willing to share a little about of that? Of course. Yeah, this has been kind of a a passion project for me. So uh, shortly after coming to Tony's, uh, I mentioned earlier, I created Tony's for Teachers, which is our education initiative, uh, teaching uh, educators how to use the Tony box in the classroom uh, mm -hmm. to promote childhood literacy. Uh, and I thought, you know, who comes to mind when you when you think of childhood literacy? And, and I think for people of our generation, that, that person is undoubtedly LeVar Burton. You know, some people remember him from Star Trek. I remember him from Reading Rainbow. Uh, I grew up watching him. Uh, and I found through this experience and working with him and, and seeing, you know, thousands of people uh, with similar stories of saying, hey, you really inspired me how to read or uh, to love reading. And so perhaps foolishly or naively, uh, I found the name of his agent and I cold called him and I said, hey, you know, I'm brand new to this company called Tony's. Would you consider, you know, partnering with us uh, to help promote childhood literacy? And something must have resonated with him because uh, graciously he decided to come on board. And so we brought him on as a Tony's brand ambassador. And uh, part of that uh, was the event that we just had in California last week uh, in which he uh, came to a school in Orange County, California. And we did a live story time of his book, which is called The Rhino Who Swallowed a Storm, which, you know, uh, as a little bit of a tangent, it is a really uh, touching story that was written in the aftermath tragedy. Uh, I think it was a, a school shooting or, or something to that effect where LeVar was really trying to think about how he could explain this to children and not necessarily the specific event, but just the world in which we live. And I think it's even more relevant now with everything that we're going through. And so he wrote this book called The Rhino Who Swallowed a Storm to, to teach kids how to deal with difficult life situations. We ended up putting that on one of our custom figures. Uh, so we've kind of encapsulated that uh, onto a Tony, uh, look, the LeVar Burton Tony. Um, and we had him come to the school in California to read the book and to, to make a donation of Tony boxes. And it was, it was just a great event. We had so much support from the community. Uh, and it, it's really the first of what I hope to be a lot of uh, donations uh, where, you know, I am actively partnering with teachers uh, for teachers who are interested in, you know, learning more. Like I'm definitely interested in, in hearing uh, and doing more types of events like what we did with Lamar last week in California. Yeah, so when we have the link for that, it'll be in the show notes, right? Yes. We'll make sure the link is in the show notes for that. That'll be fantastic so everybody can see it. Very good. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, we can't we can't end yet without asking our signature question here for you. Um, and, and that is, could you give us the audience that is one thing that you have learned either in your personal experience or professional experience that would be an instant implementable thing for families out there, something that they can do at home today that will give them uh, a boost in their family's success? I would say to have set guidelines and rules for screen time and to adhere to them. It's too easy to, even as an adult, you know, it, it's hard for me because at some point, you know, it's hard for me to go around talking about limited screen time and screen-free learning. It's hard for me to do that without 
reflecting back on my own habits and usage. And I learned pretty quickly that I can be a, a hypocrite really easily if I am glued to my screen all day long. And so I've instituted some rules for myself. I've changed my, and this might be extreme. So everybody's going to do to their own comfort level, but I've actually changed the screen on my iPhone to grayscale. requires me to use it uh, very functionally and not to get that dopamine hit from the endless Instagram scroll. But to answer your question, I would say for yourself and for your family, decide what the appropriate screen time use, time of day, duration, all of that, write it down and hold yourself accountable to that. And the thing is, if you do start doing that, you're going to find that boredom or you're going to find that tension where you're, you're drawn to it. And to overcome that hurdle, you need to find a replacement activity, go read a book, play a board game, you know, tell a story, write a story. You need to have active things that you're going to do when you feel those cravings, because they are cravings really, um, to reach for your phone. Um, and, and I think that's going to not only reduce your screen time, but it's going to draw you closer together as a family as well. Absolutely. Well yeah. said, sir. hundred well percent. Yep. Gosh, we really appreciate that. Can you please tell everybody? It will also be in the description, but how can they find you? Because you're going to want to connect. Sure. Uh, yeah. So uh, if you want to find me personally, uh, probably the best place is on LinkedIn. Maybe we can put that in the show notes. But if you're interested more in Tony's, uh, we're available at tonys.com. You can also find us on Amazon at Target, Best Buy, Barnes and Noble. Um, and you can follow us at tonys.us on Instagram. Very good. Fantastic. So we will have all of those in the show notes, as well as a link to the event with Lamar Burton mm -hmm. so that everyone can check that out as well. And the link so that they can check out your podcast with your daughter. Yes. Is that right? We're going to sure. have a link to that. Okay. I'm so definitely folks, putting a link folks will that. dig that. They'll enjoy that quite <laughs> a lot. And uh, so hopefully that'll bring great success uh, for her and her future podcast. That's right. <laughs> yep. All right. Yeah, it's been great to get to know you. Uh, you know, we had a couple of other conversations. I really admire the work that you're doing. I had the chance to listen to a couple of your episodes. I think we need more people like you folks. And I really look forward to keeping in touch with you and kind of, you know, being a part of each other's story and each other's progress. Absolutely. Thank Certainly. you. Yes. All right. Well, we will have you back again because we know we've got a lot of other topics we can cover. So Drew, thank you again for today. And we will see you again on our show in the future. Great. It's been my pleasure. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening and spending time with us today. If you know anyone who could benefit from this podcast, we would be honored if you would share it. Please rate, review, subscribe, and download. Head over to podcast.familysuccesssecrets.com to have a top-rated Family Success Secret sent straight to your inbox. We look forward to spending time with you again next week during our next episode. See you then. Bye, everyone.